Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike, and today I want to break down Disney's 100th anniversary film collection. I'm going to give you the 10 films I would save out of this entire collection and the five I would immediately set on fire. In the movie review, I'll be talking about the new horror movie, The Nun 2, and my experience seeing that movie in theaters. And in the trailer park, DC has given us the first look at Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. I honestly thought maybe this movie wouldn't come out at this point, but it actually looks pretty Pretty good. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening every single week. Shout out to the Monday Morning Movie Crew. And now, let's talk movies. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. Disney wants all of our money. That mouse is just sniffing around wanting to take any single dollar we just leave laying around because not only do we pay for a Disney Plus subscription, do we pay money to go see Disney movies in theaters, go to the parks and do all these things. Now they are releasing a 100 disc set to celebrate their 100 years of animation. And this thing looks massive. I don't know honestly where I would put 100 discs in my house. If you get a look at this thing online, it's these big storage things that essentially look like what they used to store film reels on back in the day. It's really nice looking. It's a very unique set But I wonder what exactly would you do with 100 discs? But that is what Disney does. They create things that are collectible and that are unique and also that only come out for a very limited time. So I feel like this would be cool to own a little piece of Disney history. And I do enjoy collecting some physical media when it comes to any kind of VHS or Blu-ray or DVD. There's just something about being able to hold a physical product sometimes. But for me, I only like to collect things that have a very specific 
memory attached to it or just something that just feels very significant in film history. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through this entire list and tell you the 10 films I would actually save from this Disney vault and the five that I would immediately just set on fire because I don't think they're any good at all. And I'll also give you some honorable mentions, but that is exactly what this is. The Disney Legacy Animated Film Collection, 100 Years of Animation. The company started back in 1923. And this kind of just reminds me of the Disney vault from back in the day where Disney would only put out their classic movies at very specific times. And they would go out into the stores, release these movies, and then once they were sold out or once they decided it was time to close the vault back again, they would be gone forever and you couldn't buy them again until another anniversary. They were really strict about this. They had people who would actually go to the stores to make sure they were off the shelves and were no longer selling them when they decided it was time to lock them away. So it created this kind of scarcity and exclusivity and made you, if you wanted to own that movie, go out into the store and buy it while you could. I remember these commercials and thinking, oh man, they're finally letting Pocahontas out of the Disney vault. We gotta go get a copy. But now it's not really a thing because everything is on Disney+. Plus. And if you want to go watch Pocahontas or Mulan, that's all you really have to do. So essentially, a streaming service has become the Disney vault for us. So it almost feels like they are giving us our own Disney vault for the low, low price of $1,500 and what you get inside of this collection. Again, this is not a sponsored thing. I just saw it online and thought, wow, that's kind of ridiculous, but I got to talk about this. You get 100 animated films from their 100 years of animating that include Disney, Walt Disney Animation Studios, and also Pixar movies. They're all put together in these self-standing three-volume sets that all have their own storybook. A limited number of these are going up for pre-order today or depending on when you're listening to this on September 18th on walmart.com. Yes, Walmart is doing the pre-order for these, which if you have any experience doing any kind of pre-order from Walmart, it is always chaos. But not only do you get 100 discs, you also get a collectible crystal Mickey ears hat with an exclusive Disney 100 engraving on it. So if you are just a huge Disney fan, which I probably would have been calling myself a big Disney fan 10 years ago. The last decade of Disney hasn't really sparked that same kind of imagination for me, but I'm also in my 30s now, so a lot of these movies just aren't really being marketed towards me anymore. So what I want to do on this episode is go through all 100 movies. We'll move through them pretty quick, but I want to tell you which 10 I would keep, which five I would immediately burn. And the reason I would burn them is because I think they should have never been made because they don't really represent Disney and because they were so forgettable, I want to erase them from my memory because they tarnished the Disney name. So we are going to open up the Disney vault and take a look inside. Oh man, there's so many things in here. Wow, what a vault. I can hear my echo. Echo. All right, we're in the Disney vault and the first movie in this 100-disc collection is the first animated Disney movie ever from 1937, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I actually think this is a really great movie, and it's surprising to me that this movie was made in 1937, given the sophisticated quality of the animation. And this was back when they were hand-drawing every single frame. Every single movement was hand-drawn, essentially making like a big flip book. That's how they would make these movies and then take photos of those animations and make it all come together, come to life. Life. Starting off in 1937 with the first film in this collection, it's actually one that makes the vault for me. Because of the history, because of the characters, 
And because of the legacy of this movie, I think it is a Disney classic and one of the first Disney movies I remember watching. And crazy to me that this movie is almost 100 years old coming out in 1937. So that is an easy entry for me. So we have one down. We'll run through this list. From 1940, you have Pinocchio. From 1940, you also have Fantasia. That's an almost for me. Given that it was made in 1940, is so experimental and so out there. I wish Disney made more movies like Fantasia and took more animation risks like they did back in 1940. What an amazing movie that I believe was ahead of its time. But moving down the list, we have Dumbo from 1941. That's not going in there. Bambi from 1942. Get that movie out of here. It's sad. It's a classic, but no, I don't. I don't need that movie in my life anymore. You have Saludos Amigos from '43, The Three Caballeros from 1945. No, no, we're not in a good era right now. Make Mine Music from '46. Nah. Fun, Fancy, and Free from 47. Nah. They went hard on the musicals during this time. Melody Time from 48. The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad from 49. Nah. Ooh, but then we get to number 12 from 1950. Cinderella, another Disney classic with one of the best Disney princesses of all time. You also have a great supporting cast in Cinderella and a lot of great songs. I have a lot of great memories with this movie. And this is a movie that I feel like really represents what Disney was trying to do to establish themselves as being the great storytellers that they are. This movie has everything. It has fantasy. It has a lesson. It has great animation, especially for the 50s. So with the 12th movie on the list, we have our second entry in my vault. Going with Cinderella from 1950. All right, moving down the list. Alice in Wonderland from 51. We are getting into some pretty good territory here. I love that one. Just not enough to put it into my collection. Not as my third pick. After that, we have... Number 14 from 1953, Peter Pan. Oh, I love this movie. One of my favorite movies to watch on VHS. I just feel like it adds this level of warmth to this movie. A classic tale, one of the best Disney characters of all time that I believe even transcends Disney. I don't immediately think Disney when I think Peter Pan. Ooh, I think we're going to have to have another one right here. So the third movie in the vault in my collection, I'm going with Peter Pan. I, I need this movie in my life. All right, moving on down the list now. The 15th disc is Lady and the Tramp from 55. I never really loved that movie. Didn't like the remake, so neither of those are going to make my list. Sleeping Beauty from 59. Nah, I'm good there. 101 Dalmatians, a great movie, just not great enough to enter my top 10. So we'll leave that one in 1961. The Sword in the Stone from 63. I'm good. Jungle Book from 67, a great movie. It was just never one of my favorites, so we're not adding that one. The Aristocrats from 1970. We get a little bit more experimental in the Disney storytelling here. I never really liked that movie. I remember always seeing the commercials for that one as like commercials inside other Disney movies and thinking, what did they do there? I'm good without that one. You have Robin Hood from 73, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh in 1977. I'm good here. The Rescuers from 77, Fox and the Hound from 81, The Black Cauldron from 85, The Great Mouse Detective from 1986. We have entered the Xerox era here for Disney, which is often criticized as being one of their laziest eras when they were reusing backgrounds, reusing characters. And a lot of people say the animation during this time was just very lifeless. But at 27, even though it's in the Xerox era, and some people would say is not a great Disney movie, I have one that I'm adding into the vault. 
as our fourth pick, I'm going from the 27th disc in this collection, Oliver and Company from 1988, has a great soundtrack, a movie that hits me on an emotional level. I love this one. Let's throw it in the vault as our fourth pick. All right, moving on down the list, right after that from 1989 is the 28th disc. We have The Little Mermaid. <sighs> it's a really good one. It's a classic, but I'm not putting it in my collection. I'm just not. The 29th disc, The Rescuers Down Under from 1990. I actually like that one better than The Rescuers. I watched that movie a lot as a kid, but still not enough to put it in my in my list here. The 30th disc is The Beauty and the Beast from 91. Okay, we are entering the Renaissance era here. Some really great movies. Going to have to make some really tough decisions here. Beauty and the Beast does not make my list, though. At 31, we have Aladdin from 92. I was just never that big of an Aladdin fan. There was just something about that movie that just didn't really call to me. A lot of people love that movie. Not making my list. At number 32, we have Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas from 93. I'm good there. Then disc 33, The Lion King from 1994. That is an easy one. Do I do I need to say more about that one? That is our fifth one. So five entries down, only five spots remain. And the disc right after that at disc 34 is a goofy movie from 1995. It's a classic for me, even though I feel this one still gets overlooked over and over again. And it's a cult following that I feel people appreciate more now and when it came out in 95, you know, we are putting this movie on my list. Give me a goofy movie from 1995. All right, we have six down now. Running out of space here. Pocahontas from 95. I'm good. Right after that one, though, also in 95. What a great year at Disney. We have Toy Story as disc number 36. The best Pixar movie of all time. The first computer-generated Pixar movie. This movie is making the list oh my gosh we have seven down gonna have to start being picky here but we're in a great era this is my childhood right here disc 37 james and the giant peach from 96 keep going until we find a really great one though the hunchback of notre dame from 96 also a great one so many great pizza hut toys here in 97 we have hercules Ooh, that is an almost that is a great movie then we have Mulan at disc 40, A Bug's Life at disc 41 from 98. I feel like this movie really established Pixar because they made their name known with Toy Story, but I feel like A Bug's Life is the one that really put them on the map and really started to set them aside. A really important film for me too. I learned a lot from A Bug's Life. So as our eighth pick, I'm going with A Bug's Life. Only two spots remain, and then we have... Tarzan at disc 42, which has one of the best Disney soundtracks. Ooh, this one's close. I just feel like Tarzan, the character, isn't so much Disney. So I just can't put Tarzan on the list. At 43, we have Toy Story 2. I'm good with one Toy Story. At number 44, we have Fantasia 2000. Then we have the Tigger movie. And then we have Dinosaur. Dinosaur should not even be in this collection. This is going to be my first one that I want to set on fire. Yeah, we are setting Dinosaur from 2000 on fire. Let's watch it burn. <laughs> this movie was terrible. Oh my gosh. So we have one on fire now. Moving on down our list, we are looking for 
Our ninth film, The Emperor's New Groove from 2000. We enter in the 2000s here where I feel like Disney was in a transition from the Renaissance to modern Disney at the time. Still in the peak of my childhood. A great movie, but I'm not putting it on the list. Atlantis, The Lost Empire after that. Monsters, Inc. at disc 49. Nah, not putting it in there. Return to Neverland from 2002. <sighs> nah, I'm good. At number 51. From 2002, Lilo and Stitch, one of my favorite movies of all time, and my favorite Disney movie of all time. Stitch is such a great character. So you already know, this 51 is making my collection. Taking the ninth spot, Lilo and Stitch from 2002. We only have one left here. We may not make it to the 2010s, y'all. Because at number 52, we have Treasure Planet. Nah. 53, we have The Jungle Book 2. 54, we have Piglet's Big Movie. I don't really classify any of the Winnie the Pooh movies to be Disney movies. And then at 55, from 2003, we have Finding Nemo. This could quite honestly be the Disney Pixar movie I've seen the most in my lifetime because I watched it so much in school. And this is the life I feel like Disney needed in the 2000s. If you look at everything that came out before this, I feel like this was the iconic movie of the 2000s. So we got to put it on the list. I've seen it so many times. I couldn't imagine never watching this movie again at least once. So taking the final spot in our list at number 10, we didn't even make it to the 2010s. We got to go with Finding Nemo. I feel like that is a pretty great list, but we will continue through the rest of this collection to find the four more we are going to burn. At number 56, we have Brother Bear from 2003. So we clearly see we are in the era that Pixar was outshining Disney. Disney was still holding on to that classic animation and shifting into 3D. And the stories here with the Disney movies just aren't very great. So even if I had the space, Brother Bear would not make it. It's not burn worthy though. Because then we get to Disc 57, Home on the Range. What a forgettable Disney movie. What were they thinking? This one needs to go away forever. We're setting it on fire. (laughs) Yeah, that is our second one that we are throwing into the flames. At 58, ooh, could have made my list. The Incredibles from 2004. At 59, Pooh's Heffalump movie. I honestly don't even really remember this movie. I just, again, I don't really see Winnie the Pooh as being like a Disney character. They just happen to own him. At number 60, Chicken Little from 2005. That's a close burner. This was Disney just trying to put out a movie, it looks like. Then at 61, we have Cars from 2006. I feel like I was also growing up a little bit during this time, 2006. Yeah, I mean, I was 15. So I feel like maybe I got a little bit away from liking Disney movies at this time. And I thought maybe, ah, these are just for kids. At 62, we have Meet the Robinsons. At 63, we have Ratatouille, a great movie from 2007, one of the greatest years of film. 64, Wall-E from 2008 is a movie that you either hate or you love. I love that one. Ooh, I wish I had the space for that one. 65, we have Tinkerbell from 2008. At 66, we have Bolt from 2008, another really forgettable Disney movie. I do remember watching this one and thinking, this doesn't even feel like a Disney movie. And for that reason, we're going to set it on fire. (laughs) Extra flames on that one. I can't believe they include that one in this collection either. Ooh, but then they made it up. I didn't even mean to do that. At 67, it's up from 2009. 
one of the only Disney movies I've seen twice in theaters. At number 68, The Princess and the Frog. Okay, we're getting good here again. 69, we have Toy Story 3. Nice, that's a good movie. At number 70, we have Tangled. At number 71, we have Cars 2. At 72, we have Winnie the Pooh from 2011. 73, we have Brave from 2012. 74, we have Frank and Winnie from 2012. A movie now that I watch every single Halloween. I love the animation in Frank and Winnie. At 75, we have Wreck-It Ralph from 2012. At 76, we have Monsters University from 2013. I hate that they made that movie. Should have just made a one with Monsters, Inc. That's, that's an almost burn. Because our fourth burn is going to be from 2013. The movie is planes. Awful. Trying to cash in on the whole, like, hey, let's make things that aren't living, living, and give them feelings. Planes? Planes? Set it on fire. But then they made it up after that. From 2013, this 78 is frozen. Oh my gosh, I forgot they made a sequel to Planes Fire and Rescue. Do we set these both on fire or does the flames from Planes 1 carry over to Planes 2? I'm, I'm just going to burn one of these. They don't deserve more flames. At number 80 is Big Hero 6 from 2014. 81 is Inside Out. Ooh, glad we saved our flames because at 82 is the worst Disney movie in my opinion. The Good Dinosaur from 2015. Set it on fire. Evil laugh here. <laughs> Disney should be embarrassed of this movie. They should just not make Disney dinosaur movies. Dinosaur movies are so epic and cool looking and somehow they made them boring. At number 83, we have Zootopia. At number 84, we have Finding Dory. At number 85, we have Moana. That, ooh, that could have made my list. I love Moana. At number 86, we have Cars 3. That is an almost burner. We'll, we'll give it a little flame. Little flame, little flame for Cars 3. Why did they make that into a trilogy? At number 87, we have Coco. That's a definite almost. At number 88 in this collection, we have The Incredibles 2. 89 is Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet. 90 is Toy Story 4. 91 is Frozen 2, 92 is Onward, 93 is Soul, 94 is Raya and the Lost Dragon, this 95 is Luca, and we have 96 Encanto, 97 Turning Red, we're almost there folks, this 98 is Lightyear, and this 99 is Strange World, and finally, disc 100 is Elemental from 2023, I actually think overall, this is a pretty solid collection. It would be cool to own all of these movies and all the extras that come with it. It's a very sleek design. Disney knows how to package a product. But at $1,500? Are you kidding me? I mean, it would make a great gift for the holidays. But to have $1,500 worth of discs sitting on your shelf... I don't know about that, especially when it's just so much easier to open up Disney Plus and search out any movie you want. And I am a stickler for quality, but I don't know how much better having a movie on disc is really than the streaming version. So, man, you had to be really hardcore into Disney to get this list or just be really rich. So if you are really rich and going to buy this, tag me in your post and let me know what it looks like once it finally gets to you, because I see the photos they have of it online but sometimes that doesn't always do it justice so there we go we made it through the 100 disc collection what made our top 10 to recap snow white and the seven dwarves cinderella peter pan oliver and company the lion king a goofy movie toy story 
A Bug's Life, Lilo and Stitch, and Finding Nemo are all the movies I would say from this collection. If I could only save one out of all those, even though Lilo and Stitch is my favorite, if I could only save one Disney movie from this collection, it would be The Lion King. It's a classic, was probably my favorite movie as a kid. I would have to save The Lion King. And the five movies that made the burn list, Dinosaur, Home on the Range, Bolt, Planes, The Good Dinosaur. Those are the five movies that we need to burn immediately. And now it is time to close up the Disney vaults. All right, I'll come back. I'll give my review spoiler free on The Nun 2. And then in the trailer park, we're talking about Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen, very sexy push-up bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. Now in this season's must-have shades and patterns. Add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape Fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Paid by up-level rewards. Paid participation required. Actor portrayal. Attention all listeners. Are you ready to earn $750? Well, get ready because I'm about to introduce you to Get750.com, the ultimate way to earn. Here's the scoop. Instead of just streaming shows or playing games on your phone for nothing, you have the chance to earn additional cash. That's right. From trying out new subscriptions to playing your favorite mobile games, you can get extra cash in your pocket. Simply sign up at Get750.com and follow the instructions to start earning immediately. So, what are you waiting for? Turn your favorite apps into real cash with Get750.com. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to earn rewards for things you're already doing on your phone. Check out Get750.com today. That's right. Get started right now at Get750.com. Just go to Get750.com or Google Get My 750 cash. Follow the simple instructions and get your $750. That's get750.com. Get750.com. 
Let's get into it now. A spoiler-free movie review, The Nun 2. Quite possibly the least excited I've ever been for a horror movie sequel. And quite honestly, I'm surprised this movie has a part two because the story in the first one was so paper thin and so boring really throughout that I'm surprised they decided to give it another run for The Nun But the first one did have some box office success. I think it's because it is inside of that Conjuring universe and everything James Wan has created with all these characters from The Conjuring and Annabelle, even like Yorana, all these movies working together as one. I feel like they thought they could make some money on this movie as well. So what this movie is about, it takes place four years after the events of The Nun Part 1. You're in 1956 France in this movie. A priest gets violently murdered. You see in the trailer that he gets burned to death. And then you have Sister Irene returning to investigate. And then Sister Irene goes face to face with evil again, much like you would experience in any other possession exorcism movie like this. So first impressions of this movie, I always judge a horror movie based on the first 20 minutes because those are so crucial to how I'm going to feel throughout this entire movie. You always get that opening sequence that has some kind of big kill. In this case, you find out exactly what happens to the priest. And I was so underwhelmed at that opening sequence that I thought, oh man, they're gonna do it again they're gonna drag out this entire story and there's not gonna be anything scary and it's gonna be a lot of talking and we're gonna eventually have this scene where they go and find out the real mystery and then go rush back and do all these things just seemed like a big cliche to start out this movie and even getting into some of the characters I felt like oh man there's really gonna be nothing here to chew on but after that first act which was really kind of painfully slow I feel like this movie started to come into its own right around that second act. The production on this movie is very slick and very nicely produced. And I don't always shout out to editing in movies or makeup design or special effects or even stunt performers. But through all the horror elements that really banked on that in this movie, I thought, hey, they actually did a really good job here because a lot of it is in that presentation of seeing something scary. The makeup and the visual effects on The Nun are a lot better in this movie. I still don't think just the presence of her on screen makes me scared in any way. So it's everything they have to build around it that actually ends up working in this movie. But the way I compare this movie, since it's inside of the Conjuring universe, that first Conjuring from 2013 did such a great job of building suspense and making you feel scared as the viewer. So I compare all of these movies inside of this universe to how that first one made me feel, which is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. I still don't think any movie has captured that same energy as the first one and the story that James Wan created in that initial Conjuring movie. They've all just been kind of riding the coattails and riding the formula of the Conjuring. And this movie is a perfect example of that because it is so reliant on the jump scares. And I just feel like that is so cheap to the viewer. I feel like whenever you just have to bank on throwing things out of the screen to scare us, you really are doing that great of a job at creating a horror movie and creating these moments that we're going to look back and remember on as actually being things that stood out from this movie. So that is always what I look for. But where this movie started to win me over is they did a pretty good job at creating these characters and getting you invested in these stories. You have a relationship between one of the people that works at this boarding school where they are investigating all these things that are starting to happen 
and he has a relationship with one of the students. He helps her out, and some of the other kids make fun of them for their relationship, which this movie could have gone in a very weird direction. But luckily, at the core of it, it was wholesome. So I felt a little bit of an emotional connection of wanting to see the best result possible for all of these characters because they start to care about them. And then I really found myself liking all the visuals in this movie that were really good and I would almost describe them as like horror wholesome. I think about my mom who loves horror movies, but she doesn't like any horror movies that are overly gruesome or just overly violent. This one is like right there in the middle. Even though this movie is rated R, I think if they tweak just a couple of things, they probably could have got a PG-13 rating. But I know sometimes parents wonder if movies are okay for their younger kids who love horror movies. I actually think this one would be fine. There's no nudity. I don't even think there's a whole lot of swear words in this movie. So at the core of this movie, I found it to be a little bit wholesome. It feels very much Hollywood horror to me, which over time I find myself enjoying parts of it because... Even though I feel like Hollywood horror kind of takes the fun out of it, it takes the creativity, it takes the just overall rawness of horror movies and kind of evaporates that all away to appeal to a wider audience. What you do get is some great visual effects and some great moments that you can only get with a budget like that, which this movie cost $38 million to make. And you can really tell they spent a lot of that on getting the visual effects right. So I found myself really enjoying it, even though nothing really stood out on its own. The third act very much made up for that first act, which was pretty boring overall, but it really got there in the end. You can really tell where they spent the money on for this movie, and it's surprisingly doing pretty well for a horror movie that I feel like didn't really have a whole lot of buzz around the sequel. In its first 10 days, it has made $56.5 million at the box office, which is 33% less than The Nun Part 1. But again, with no real buzz around it, also with the strike going on and the actors and director not being able to promote this movie, I actually think that is a pretty good number, especially considering that we are only really just starting to dip our toes into the Halloween horror season, only being halfway through September. So I think this one has some life to it. I think if it can make a little bit more money as we get closer to Halloween, we're probably gonna get that Nun 3 and get that full-on Nun trilogy. I think Warner Brothers will still invest in another Nun movie. I was looking at some numbers recently that somebody just posted about Warner Brothers. They have taken four big financial losses this year with Magic Mike's The Last Dance, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, The Flash, and Blue Beetle both being their biggest losses of the year. But they've also been really profitable with Barbie, which is the highest grossing movie of the year. I feel like with that movie alone, they're going to be doing pretty well. But they also had some surprising hits that made some money with Meg 2, The Trench, The Nun, still bringing in a pretty good amount of money like we've been talking about, Kree 3, and Evil Dead Rise. So I love the fact that two of those movies are horror movies, which I feel are kind of like the cash cow inside of Hollywood because you can spend less money on them. $38 million in the grand scheme of things is nothing when you're spending over 200, sometimes 250 to make a superhero movie. You spend, you know, under $40 million and you make double, sometimes triple that. I feel like that is the sweet spot. But in order to really make money in horror, you have to make things that stand out. You have to make things that are original and unique. And that's where you kind of hit it and strike it big because you don't spend a whole lot of money. 
but everybody loves it and wants to go see it. And then you make it all back at the box office. But you're really not going to do that with a movie like The Nun that for the most part is kind of painting by numbers. But I feel like at the core of it, when I go into a horror movie, I just want to be entertained. I just want to have some good visuals that even though in this case, they don't really scare you, but they are frightening. Like I won't deny them that it is a very creepy looking nun. And there are some other surprises in there that I thought, hey, this is actually pretty cool. And I think the only real benefit of watching this movie on the big screen is I had all my attention towards it. And also just being inside a dark theater, you start to get a little bit jumpy. You start to get a little bit more antsy than you would watching this movie at home. Although I think the scariest part for me was at one point where somebody just started walking on the side of me and they kind of look ghostly because you're in a completely dark theater. And also this movie is just very dark overall on screen. So it's the most pitch black that I ever really see the theater getting. And to see just a little bit of light in the corner, that's what freaked me out more than anything that was on screen. So for The Nun 2, when it comes to the rating, I would say going into this, I was expecting to give it about a 2.5 right in the middle. And it also kind of left me wanting more. I thought I was going to go and see this movie and not want to see a Nun 3. And I won't say that I would be excited about a Nun 3, but I would definitely go watch it in theaters again. So it went from that 2.5 up to that 3. And I've also just been thinking about this movie a lot after watching it. So I feel like it did leave a little bit of an impression on me. And I think if you go watch this for the pure entertainment value of just loving horror movies and wanting to see something new in theaters, I think it's a good time. And if like me, you have a mom who loves horror movies, I think they would enjoy this too. So for The Nun 2, this is surprising to me. I'm giving it 3.5 out of 5 goats. And you got to watch the movie to find out why it's goats. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen, very sexy push-up bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. Now in this season's must-have shades and patterns. Add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape Fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. 
dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Paid by up-level rewards. Paid participation required. Actor portrayal. Attention all listeners. Are you ready to earn $750? Well, get ready because I'm about to introduce you to Get750.com, the ultimate way to earn. Here's the scoop. Instead of just streaming shows or playing games on your phone for nothing, you have the chance to earn additional cash. That's right. From trying out new subscriptions to playing your favorite mobile games, you can get extra cash in your pocket. Simply sign up at Get750.com and follow the instructions to start earning immediately. So, what are you waiting for? Turn your favorite apps into real cash with Get750.com. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to earn rewards for things you're already doing on your phone. Check out Get750.com today. That's right. Get started right now at Get750.com. Just go to Get750.com or Google Get My 750 cash. Follow the simple instructions and get your $750. That's get750.com. Get750.com. It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. We finally have it, and I've been waiting for this. DC has given us the first look at Aquaman 2, better known as Aquaman and The Lost Kingdom. I didn't think this movie was going to see the light of day. After what happened with Blue Beetle and The Flash earlier this year, I didn't know if DC was ready to take another hit. And honestly, I was expecting to hate this trailer because I don't really love Aquaman. The character himself has always felt a little bit cheesy to me. Even going back to the comics, I was never excited for the first one. But surprisingly, the first Aquaman was a hit for DC being one of the movies in the DCEU to make over a billion dollars. So it's quietly a hit. But when I think of DC, I don't think of Aquaman. Give me Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. I'll even take the Flash and the Green Lantern. Before I take Aquaman, the character himself just seems kind of cheesy. But then you have Jason Momoa, who is a great actor, super ripped, super good looking, who was perfectly cast as the Aquaman I didn't know I needed in my life. And when he is on screen, he demands your attention because of all of his tattoos, because of his hair. He is a perfectly cast superhero. So I feel like his charm and his charisma has even opened up my interest in Aquaman because even looking at all the people around him with Amber Heard and Nicole Kidman, nothing about this movie really screams, I want to go see it. But after the first look at this trailer, my mind has changed and I am looking forward to this movie so I credit that immensely to Jason Momoa but also director James Wan who is a fantastic director specifically in the horror genre he has launched franchises like Saw and The Conjuring and I almost feel like this movie has a little bit more of his edge more so than the first one and that is exactly what we are seeing in this trailer it is Aquaman in a new chapter in his life He has a baby, he is the king of the ocean, but now there are some people that don't like him. And you have a legitimate threat in this movie, played by Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, and he looks awesome in this movie. I loved him in Candyman, I loved him in Ambulance. He is also super ripped up in this movie. So you have two really good super ripped up dudes going at each other in a superhero movie underwater. So before I get into more of my thoughts, here is just a little bit of the Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom trailer. I'm the king of Atlantis. Half a billion people from every known species in the sea call this place home. 
But that doesn't mean they all like me. I'm gonna kill Aquaman and destroy everything he holds dear. I'm gonna murder his family and burn his kingdom to ash. So considering all the things surrounding this movie with the controversy of Amber Heard allegedly being edited out of this movie, she makes an appearance in that trailer for a brief second. So not only is Jason Momoa returning, you have Amber Heard returning. You have Patrick Wilson as a character that Aquaman is going to team up with known as Ocean Master. Nicole Kidman is back. And then you have Yahya Abdul-Mateen II playing Black Manta. You also have Willem Dafoe back in this movie. And if you Google Aquaman 2 cast, there are two actors I'm curious of. I don't know if this is a glitch or they're going to make appearances in this movie. But I am seeing Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton as credited actors in Aquaman 2. So maybe they have a brief cameo. Maybe it's a post credit scene. Maybe it's a way they are hoping to connect Aquaman into what is coming with James Gunn taking over and completely rehauling DC. I am curious to see that, but after seeing what they did in The Flash and how their cameos and characters really didn't mean a whole lot in that movie, I'm not really investing a whole lot in the idea of a Batman appearance making or breaking this movie. I don't think it really needs it. After watching this trailer, I really feel like this movie can stand on its own. I think there is a great story to be told here. I love it when characters essentially have their entire world ripped out from them. When a villain goes after the people they love, goes after their home, and sets everything on fire, literally in this trailer. I love to see it. There is a scene in the trailer where Jason Momoa is looking so frantic as his house is on fire. I will say that is the one part of this trailer where I thought the CGI was a little bit sus, and I didn't want to slam DC for doing more questionable CGI after The Flash, which was really the only movie where their CGI did not shine, because I think if you put them compared to Marvel, they've had a lot more visually stunning CGI scenes and fight scenes where I feel like they have been paying more attention to detail and it doesn't feel like they're just shooting things out as quickly as possible. They feel more cinematic to me and more comic book accurate when it comes to the action and making their character designs look like they do in the comics. I think they did a really great job with Aquaman, which is tough to do because it's kind of a cheesy costume. It could look so unbelievable and so unrealistic, but I guess when you throw it on Jason Momoa and you add that really good visual effects, I like the almost bronze upper tone the scaly look and the greens not too green where it looks a lot more realistic than I'm expecting in this movie it looks like they maybe just refined it a little bit added a little bit more texture it looks really sexy to the eye and I am banking on Jason Momoa he is a great lead I believe he carried Fast X and I think he's going to carry this movie so I am in on this one Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is coming out on December 20th a great holiday release Nothing like a good superhero movie in December. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. And that's going to do it for another episode here of the podcast. But before I go, I got to give my listener shout out of the week. How you get one of these? 
You can send me an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com. Tweet me at Mike D Show. You could also leave a review on Apple Podcast, rate it five stars, and write a quick little review. I love going over there to read those. But today, I am going over to my Instagram where I've been trying out some different movie content recently. I usually just post the movie review. But now I'm trying to take things from the topic of the week. I also posted a video recently of me unboxing a Barbie press box I got from Warner Brothers. So if you want to check that out too. So let me know what you like and what you want to see more of on my social media. But I'm going to go over to my video that I did last week talking about my core movie memories. I posted a clip about signs. And this week's listener shout out of the week goes to Sherry Clark, who wrote, well, I actually went into labor later that night after watching that movie. So a core movie memory for multiple reasons. My initial take was at least you got to finish the entire movie before going into labor. But what a great memory. You go see signs that scares you so much that your baby just decided, man, I want to come out tonight. So thank you, Sherry, for sharing that core movie memory moment. Thank you for commenting. You are this week's listener shout out of the week. And thank you for listening, being subscribed to the podcast, listening every single week and telling a friend. Until next time, go out and watch good movies and I will talk to you later. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, I'm here to tell you about Upfaith and Family, the leading streaming service for uplifting entertainment. It's the only place to stream all seasons of the award-winning series Heartland with exclusive content you won't see anywhere else. Binge all of the past seasons and don't miss the season 17 of Heartland and stream a new episode weekly. Dive into the warmth of Heartland and let Upfaith and Family be your go-to service for all things uplifting. Start your free trial today. Go to upfaithandfamily.com for your free trial. Upfaithandfamily.com.